You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. This podcast is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to get the edge over the competition throughout this year's playoffs. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Today on the podcast, we are going to focus on the comments made by Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott on Tuesday during his year-end press conference. And as somebody who has listened to every word that Sean McDermott has said publicly since becoming the head coach of the team, I always find it to be very interesting what he says during his year-end press conference. And this is where I think he becomes the most candid and open and honest about things and gives you the most in terms of stuff you can actually extrapolate meaningful things from. And so Today on this podcast, I am going to share with you the things that stood out the most to me. And so I'm going to break it into three different chunks. The first will be the comments that he made that were centered around the last 13 seconds of the Chiefs game. Then I want to move into some of the things he said about Josh Allen and the offensive coordinator spot. And then the last portion of this will focus on some of the more random things that he said with kind of an emphasis on the defense. So that's what we are going to do. Real quick, I do want to mention that the Bills signed 11 players to a futures contract. And so let's start by answering the question, what is a futures contract? And what that is, is a contract given out by teams to players who did not finish the regular season on an active roster. And so they could be players from your practice squad or a different team's practice squad or a street free agent. These are players that you go ahead and sign today to a futures contract, and then they count against your 90-man roster once the league year switches over. And when the league year switches over, from that moment until the time that final cuts are due, you can have 90 players on your roster. And so this is just getting some players that are probably not going to be high-demand free agents that want to go ahead and lock in their status for the next season because they believe that continuing or signing with your team is the best course for them to either make a roster or be on a practice squad. And so all of the players that the Bills signed a futures contract to were practice squad players from this past season. Defensive tackle Brandon Bryant, guard Jacob Capra, wide receiver Tanner Gentry, linebacker Joe Giles Harris, cornerback Elijah Griffin, cornerback Tim Harris, wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins, defensive end Mike Love, cornerback Nick McLeod, tight end Quinton Morris, and safety Josh Thomas. And so, what I think is interesting about this list isn't necessarily the players on the list. It's the players that were on the practice squad that weren't signed to a futures deal. And I think there are various reasons for each one of these players that they weren't signed to a futures contract, but I do want to highlight them because 
They were on the Bills practice squad, but did not sign a futures deal with the team like those other 10 players did. So those players that didn't sign a futures deal with the Bills are defensive tackle Eli Anquo, which is interesting because he's kind of a rosterable player. He's been on active rosters. He made an impact for the Bills this year. And so he's a guy that may be looking for a actual contract that's not like a minimum type deal because he feels like he's earned that. And so that's interesting. Quarterback Davis Webb was not signed to a futures contract. And we know how much Davis Webb means to Josh Allen and how the coaching staff talks about him. And so I'm not sure if Davis Webb is viewed as a guy that they're going to sign to a legitimate contract to be the backup quarterback or what his role is going to be. But I'd be kind of surprised if he wasn't back in some capacity. Punter Jamie Gillen was not signed to a futures deal. Offensive lineman Evan Scherzinski, I probably did not pronounce that correctly. He's a former University of Buffalo offensive lineman. He did not get signed to a futures deal. And then running back Antonio Williams. And his run with the team has been really bizarre. Just kind of off and on the practice squad. He randomly gets released sometimes and then finds his way back. He wound up playing week 17 last year and played well. And I think a lot of people are curious with Antonio Williams, but the team has been very non-committal about him being part of the equation just based on how frequently he's added to and removed from the practice squad. All right, so let's get into these comments that Sean McDermott said during his year-end press conference that I find to be meaningful. I do want to mention this, though. I have been critical of the coaching staff over the last several days and how I believe they failed the team against Kansas City. I have no issues pinning notable blame on the coaches for the result of that football game. But I do want you to understand something. I am not advocating for anyone to be fired. Not even close. That isn't even close to something I would consider. No way. But just like in other aspects of life, people make mistakes, but it doesn't mean you kick them to the curb. I'm sure this has happened to you, whether it's a family member, a friend, an authority figure, et cetera, et cetera. People can fail you, but that doesn't mean you are done with them. And so I just want to make that point of clarification here as I've been critical of Sean McDermott and the assistants for the result of the game. That doesn't mean I think anyone should be fired or it should be even close to something that's considered. So I just want to clarify that I simultaneously have great disappointment in how they manage certain aspects of the Chiefs game, but I'm also in full support of Sean McDermott and his staff continuing to lead this football operation. So on the last 13 seconds of the game, Sean McDermott talked about how they pride themselves in being detailed and prepared, spoke about situational football and how it's practiced daily, and that they typically handle things like that very well, that they have to learn from it, and that one day he hopes to look back and remember it as part of the story and how they eventually accomplish their goals as an organization. On what he wishes was different, this is critical, he said, I wish our execution was different. He was also asked on his decision to kick away, and McDermott said, I'm not going to get into specifics. It comes down to the execution. We didn't execute. I hope you can appreciate where I'm coming from on that. I'm disappointed to get the result, especially because of how we prepare. 
I'm just going to leave it at the execution piece. So let's dig into this. Sean McDermott is blaming the decision to kick the ball deep and get a touchback on execution. Let's read between the lines here. It means that what was called isn't what happened on the field. Because what happened on the field was, no doubt about it, a touchback on purpose by Tyler Bass. So when Sean McDermott says execution and he's going to leave it at that, it leads me to fully believe that what he asked to be done wasn't done. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of what Coach McDermott means by execution. Now, that doesn't excuse it, whether it's the relay of information from Sean McDermott to Heath Farwell to his special teams unit, or however that information gets to Tyler Bass, it failed. And it goes back to Sean McDermott. And he's owned that. But if I'm reading between the lines and telling you what I honestly believe Sean McDermott means when he continues to blame it on execution and how he doesn't want to get into the specifics, what he asked to be done wasn't done. And so maybe we can give them some grace on the kick. Inexcusable, but give them some grace on the kickoff. But that doesn't come close to excusing the defensive approach that they had in the last 13 seconds. And they called timeouts before both offensive plays that put Kansas City in field goal range. There was every opportunity to adjust. And maybe that defensive approach makes a lot more sense if you can rip off five, six, seven seconds on a kick return. And then what you called makes sense. But that's not what happened. You had the opportunity to adjust and you didn't. And so even if I'm willing to give some grace on the kickoff component of that failure over the last 13 seconds, it does not excuse how they chose to play defense. And I'll also say this. I don't blame Sean McDermott for how he's handled questions about this. He can't sit there and openly blame a player or a coach and throw them under the bus openly, so he's leaving it open to interpretation. But my interpretation, by him continuing to say execution, and I'll leave it at that, and I hope you can appreciate where I'm coming from, is him saying, I didn't ask for that touchback. I asked for something different than what happened. We're all looking for an edge these days, and I'd like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving bettors the edge. Throughout the playoffs, they're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to help make your bets as informed as ever. At the beginning of the playoffs, the experts at OnlineGambling.com asked me to show off my prediction skills and pick my Super Bowl finalists, which were the Packers and Bills. Well, now they've kindly given me one last chance to change my picks heading into the conference championship. I'm going with the Chiefs, and the Rams. If you're planning on placing a bet during the playoffs, 
Make sure you head to OnlineGambling.com before you do, because OnlineGambling.com gives bettors the edge by providing the best and most trusted experiences online all day, every day. And that includes their OG tips section, where you'll find their own Super Bowl picks, as well as the inside track on how to beat the odds through the NFL playoffs. Make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and odds to give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. All right, so let's move into the comments that Sean McDermott made about Josh Allen, the offensive coordinator position, and just kind of the offense in general. So on Josh Allen's input, if Brian Dable were to leave regarding the offensive coordinator spot, McDermott said that Josh Allen and him spoke yesterday about the possibilities and that Josh will be in the loop and communicated with. His opinion is valued. He said it's important that Josh is comfortable and no decision will be made without Josh Allen being looped in. Which brings me to Josh Allen and the comments that he made on Monday regarding this very thing. He said, every quarterback would love to be part of that process. I do know there is a guy in this building that I'm a huge advocate for. It's not my job. It's not my decision. But as a quarterback, you do want to feel like you have some sort of say in it. And so after Josh Allen said, I do know there is a guy in the building that I'm a huge advocate for. He all but said it was Ken Dorsey. And he was asked a follow-up question on Ken Dorsey. And on Dorsey, Josh Allen said, when he got here three years ago, my career changed in terms of how I viewed the game of football. Having a guy in the quarterback room that played the game, he's the winningest college quarterback of all time. The way he approaches the game, he's competitive, smart, and I appreciate what he's done for me in my career. Pretty straightforward. Josh Allen wants Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator if Brian Dayball leaves. So let's go a little bit further here before I give you more analysis. On replacing coordinators, this is Sean McDermott. We're back to McDermott. McDermott said, you want to be able to promote from within. That's where you get return on investments how you foster morale and camaraderie. I want to continue to invest in people in the building. If they show you they have what it takes, then you love to be able to promote from within. He does think that they have the opportunity to do that with the current staff. At this point, folks, it would be shocking to me if Brian Dable were to leave and the new offensive coordinator wasn't Ken Dorsey. All of the comments made by Sean McDermott and Josh Allen about this point to Ken Dorsey. And if the Bills don't make Ken Dorsey their offensive coordinator, I think we can fully expect for Dorsey to go somewhere else to be some other team's offensive coordinator. There are nine head coaching vacancies in the NFL right now. And even more offensive coordinator vacancies. You don't think they'd love to have the guy that Josh Allen's literally endorsing to run their offense? So I fully expect Ken Dorsey to be an offensive coordinator in 2022. It's just a matter of where. 
And you have to think that one of these nine teams is going to hire Brian Dayball. He's had interviews with Miami, Chicago, and two with the Giants. The Giants literally just hired Joe Shane, the Bills' assistant general manager, to be their general manager. And they had a follow-up interview with Brian Dable, an in-person interview on Tuesday. I think it's only a matter of time. So now the Bills are going to have an offensive coordinator vacancy, and I expect that to be Ken Dorsey. So the biggest criticism that I have seen about the idea of Ken Dorsey being the offensive coordinator is that he's never been a play caller and you want someone experienced in that role, especially for Josh Allen's prime years. I understand why somebody would say that, but I don't buy into that at all. I think that is a trap that the NFL has fallen victim to for years. If this is who Josh Allen wants to be, the offensive coordinator, then I am fully satisfied with him getting the promotion. That established relationship between Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey is huge. And if you were to bring in somebody from the outside, they're going to have to learn each other. Now, everybody would be a professional and rally and try to become the best offense they can in 2022. But I'm not going to dismiss the guy that Josh Allen wants because he's never been a play caller. If that's who Josh Allen wants and Sean McDermott believes he's earned the opportunity, make the move. Promote him. Let's go. So if Brian Dayball leaves, this is where things kind of get interesting when you think about the dominoes that come with it. Obviously, the first one is Ken Dorsey being the Bills offensive coordinator. But then you have to start asking questions like, if Dayball leaves, does he try to bring either Chad Hall, the Bills wide receivers coach, or Shea Tierney, the Bills assistant quarterbacks coach, with him? Unless Dayball has an offensive coordinator job for them, I think you make Chad Hall the passing game coordinator and Tierney the quarterback coach, which was what Dorsey was, but now he's the offensive coordinator. I think that's the best case scenario. Now, Brian Dayball could say, Chad Hall, come with me to be the offensive coordinator, and then there's really nothing you can do about it. But if that's not the case, make Chad Hall your passing game coordinator. Make Shea Tierney your quarterback's coach. But the bottom line is this. There is a plan, and I'm extremely happy to hear that Josh Allen is involved. So for Sean McDermott, he was also asked about what more there is for Josh to do in his development. Sean said he took another several steps in his growth. He's answered every question. He believes without a doubt that Josh can lead the Bills to the highest level. He said Josh played at an elite level down the stretch on a consistent basis. He came out and said that I love the guy. He's extremely proud of him and that having a guy like Josh is hard to find and they have to continue to move strategically around Josh moving forward. And so for Josh and his development and what we're looking for out of him moving forward, at this point, I think it comes down to more X's and O's and personnel stuff than it does mechanical things. Now, obviously, you want to continue working mechanics and all the throwing stuff, but the biggest thing for Josh Allen to me, is just continuing to learn how to beat certain defenses 
understanding protections, understanding the personnel and coaches that he's going to face, and just dialing into that type of stuff. Because he's proven everything in terms of what he's capable on the field, and he's done it over a large enough sample size at this point that we know what type of player he is. So it's maintaining your skill set and really becoming dialed in on all the mental side of things because, to me, that's where he can make the biggest strides at this point in his development. Sean McDermott was asked about the run game and offensive balance. He said, healthy offenses have the threat of being two-dimensional. He doesn't like the word balance, but references a good ebb and flow between the run and pass. He said, when your run game is working, it helps the offensive line, it helps the quarterback, and that it's easier for the defense to rush the passer when they know where to find the quarterback. And so, look, Sean McDermott has talked a lot about being a two-dimensional offense. And I thought it was interesting that he said, healthy offenses have the threat of being two-dimensional. And that he doesn't like the word balance, but he talked about a good ebb and flow between the run and pass. The Bills were the most pass-aggressive team in the NFL this year. They had a 66% pass rate in neutral game scripts this year. The next closest was Tampa Bay at 62%, and only four teams were above 60. I think the Bills did a good job this year of finding that run-pass balance down the stretch. I don't know that that was always the case throughout the season, but towards the end, I thought they found what they were looking for. And I also remain very comfortable with the Bills' offensive approach, and I don't expect much to change even if they were to have a different offensive coordinator in 2022. Hey, Bills fans, this is Joe Marino with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because you're trying to eat healthy, but you want to have sweets. You want to have chocolate. And guess what? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And most Built Bars, they contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So they're healthy and they're delicious. And look, there's so many great flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. They have coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check Built.com often to see what's new. I got a deal for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 
and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's close out the podcast by examining the comments that Sean McDermott made mostly about the defense. On the pass rush and defensive line depth, Sean McDermott said they had depth all year long, and that's typically a position group that faces more injuries. And he noted that they have to develop young players. So a couple of thoughts here. I said earlier this year when the 53-man roster was initially finalized that they rostered so many defensive linemen because they were not expecting to be this healthy. And so it's interesting that he pointed that out. And um, the Bills just had, for the most part, really good health as it relates to their defensive line situation, like the rest of the roster, to be honest with you. I think the moves in the coming months will tell us a lot about where they think Carlos Basham and A.J. Epinesa are at. Like I said yesterday on Herd Mentality, with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison expiring contracts, and you're basically left with Rousseau, Basham, and Epinesa, I don't think you can confidently say right now that you're good. You got your top three ends locked in. You're going to be fine there. I don't think there's any way that you can say that, especially from Basham and Epinesa, that those guys are ready to be your number two and number three defensive ends. And so the moves that they make in the coming months are going to be telling as it relates to where they perceive Epinesa and Basham to be at. On Trey White, Sean McDermott said, Trey is in the building every day and working his tail off with a training staff, as is Justin Zimmer. He praised their determination, guts, and grit. He said he's working hard to get back. He wouldn't give a timeline, but he said they all appear to be on schedule, and he does not expect any players to have major surgeries this offseason. And so regarding Trey White, we know that an ACL tear is a 9-12 to month recovery, and he had surgery in December. So we're looking at August or September in terms of the range at the earliest for him to be available. And I'm guessing he starts the year on the pup list. Now, Justin Zimmer and Ike Bakker, who McDermott did reference as well in terms of being on track with recovery, those guys are expiring contracts. But as it relates to Trey White, my concern with him not being available at the beginning of the season is that the NFL is going to put Bills versus Chiefs as the season opener and Buffalo's not going to have a healthy Trey White in that football game. And so let's hope that the Chiefs game comes you know, middle to end of the season. That way the Bills will have their best opportunity to have a healthy Trey White at their disposal. On the speed of the Chiefs' offense and how it compromises a fundamentally sound Buffalo Bills defense, Sean McDermott said it's a valid point to consider personnel additions that have the speed to match up with Kansas City. He noted the uniqueness of the Chiefs' speed and how it impacts the results. He talked about the evolution as a team and how important it was for the Bills to stay ahead of league trends. 
and that the Buffalo Bills need to match team speed on both sides of the ball. He said they have to assess the defense with a critical eye in the offseason as we try to improve as a team. Now, this is really interesting because speed at cornerback has never been a priority for Sean McDermott. And this is somewhat of an admission that, yeah, that's a valid point. We probably need to have more speed to be able to match up. And he talked about Tyreek Hill repeatedly throughout the the press conference. So does this mean the Bills will invest in a corner that can run? Perhaps. But I did say yesterday, as Richard Sherman always says, you can get burnt running a 4-3 just like you can a 4-6. You got to have good eyes and good coverage instincts to go with that speed. Now, the good news is there's a lot of really fast cornerbacks that I like in this rising draft. So we'll talk more about them in the coming months. But if the Bills want to get faster at corner, they'll have the chance to do so with some of the prospects that will be available in the 2022 NFL Draft. And then on the off-season approach for the Buffalo Bills with the Chiefs in mind, Sean McDermott said, it's unhealthy and nearsighted to only focus on building the team with the Chiefs in mind. They have to be strategic and calculated on how to improve the team. And I think this echoes something I said yesterday on Herd Mentality, where I talked about how the Bills need to be mindful of the Chiefs, but every opportunity that they have to improve the team, whether it's a draft pick or a free agent acquisition or a trade, the Buffalo Bills are the team that has to be at the forefront of their mind. How can I use these resources to make the Buffalo Bills the best football team that the Buffalo Bills can be? And through that, You present more challenges to your opponents, including the Chiefs. It's also interesting how Sean McDermott, when he talks about where the Chiefs are at as a football team, he likes to bring up that they've been together for a long time. Nine years, right? So Andy Reid has had nine years to massage this roster and get it to the way he wants it. Now the Bills are they just finished up year five, so it's not like they're way behind, but four years is four years. A lot of NFL head coaches don't make it four years. So that gap isn't that big, but it's also not that small. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that the Bills haven't had enough time to build a roster that can win the Super Bowl. They have. We know that. The Bills roster this year and last year was good enough to win the Super Bowl. But there still is that time discrepancy that the Bills haven't had yet in comparison to the Chiefs to continue finding those exact players in those exact roles that they really like. And so I'm anxious to see how this team evolves, especially as the resources become a bit more limited, right? The Bills are picking end of the first round. The cap space isn't quite as plentiful as it's been in previous years. So I'm interested in seeing how Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott continue to evolve this roster. The last thing I'll say on this is two things in terms of overall themes from stuff Sean McDermott said really stood out to me. Number one is a lot of confidence 
in who the Buffalo Bills are, the direction of the organization, and a belief that they're going to eventually get to where they want to get. And he said, that's what winners do, and this is a winning organization. And so I like that, despite the heartbreak of Sunday, that there was a lot of confidence from Sean McDermott. And I know that he preaches humble and hungry, but I would say that in this press conference, he was more confident and hungry. He also made a point to say that they're not satisfied, that everything's not fine. He made sure to point that out. And so I think that's a really good approach to have. And the other thing that Sean McDermott really made a point to emphasize is that he believes the result of that game, the Chiefs game, is part of the story. And um, I can appreciate where he's coming from with that. His job now is obviously to never let something like that happen again, but find ways to use it to motivate and fuel his football team moving forward. And I think labeling it as part of their story is appropriate. And certainly, if and when that Super Bowl championship comes, this will be part of what it took to get to that point. All right, so tomorrow we are expecting to hear from Brandon Bean and his year-end press conference. And just like McDermott, Bean's year-end presser is something that leads to a lot of good takeaways. And so tomorrow's podcast, you can expect to be centered around the comments that Brandon Bean makes on Wednesday afternoon, as well as any other notable news that comes forward regarding the Buffalo Bills. And then eventually we'll get into our performance review series and all the other creative ideas that I have lined up for us this offseason. So as always, thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.